Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Just keep swimming as we record this podcast for y'all. <laughs> uh, welcome to our podcast. This is Making a Disney Fan. I am joined by, um, I'm going to call him Gil. This Gil? This is Brandon. Yeah. You know, I'll take, I'll take Gil, Brad Garrett. That's, I'm all right with that. <laughs> no, that, not Brad Garrett. That's Willem Dafoe. Oh, wait. Gil. Oh, I like that one better. Yeah, I got yeah. their names mixed up. Which one is Brad Garrett's name? Bloat? Blob? Um, bloat? Bloat? I think, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's who I thought you, that's who so, I thought you meant. I'll take Willem no, Dafoe any day, man. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I say Gil because you've been through some stuff, but you're still caring at heart. That's a good description. That's rather touching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And... Um, uh, for Sarah, just because of what's been going on with this podcast, I'm just going to make you Dory. <laughs> you mean before Dory. we started recording? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's more about um, when we talk about our memories of these movies and you're just like, I don't have any memories. That's true. That is very true. That's and true. also, right before we started recording, I forgot that I had to record. <laughs> true. So, I don't know. My my choice my choice for Sarah was Bruce actually <laughs> because throughout this podcast we have established that Sarah is tough and intimidating and scary yeah. but she's also sweet and caring at heart and means well so Bruce is my choice <laughs> for you this time around I like that <laughs> works for me all right yeah what you guys got for myself this time. I I chose um I don't know his name but he's the Bubbles guy. That's what I was going to say too. <laughs> he's just called Bubbles. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 100% I was going to say Bubbles for Zach. Yeah, 100% <laughs> that's that's easily who it is. Yeah. I also did consider Dory just cuz of like the happy go lucky part of it, but Yeah, hmm. I could see I could totally see Dory too, but it's yeah. it's the Bubbles guy for me. Yeah, I can see well, him doing I was that. thinking maybe I could have been Crush, but Okay. Crush? Crush is, yeah, Crush is real cool. Maybe I'm though. just not cool. I'm not cool enough to be Crush. Yeah. You're not <laughs> mellow enough to be Crush. And probably yeah, not on near as much drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, forgot that we do characters, of course, because I, I don't know where my brain's at tonight. Uh, and then when Zach and I got on the call before you, he was like, who are we making brand? And I was like, right. So I was looking at all the characters, and Bubbles was easy for Zach, like, immediately. Yeah. But I'm looking at all of them, I'm like, I don't know. And the description he gave of Gil, I do agree with him, now that I hear that. But I actually was kind of thinking Marlin. Marlin, okay. Because. Well, Marlin's been through some stuff, too. Yeah, and also, 
if I think of what Brandon would be like as a dad, I think of the two Marlin personalities. Like, Brandon's fun with kids, but also Brandon is occasionally a little more um, anxious. A little more anxious, yeah, that's, high strung. That's a really, you know, that's a kind way to put it. So I could see like that mixture being who yeah. you may be as a father. So yeah, just a little neurotic, you know. There you go. Okay, <laughs> so you're between Willem Dafoe and Albert Brooks. Not the worst, you know. That's that's great for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think everything's coming up millhouse for me on that one. <laughs> All right. So yeah. We're going to be talking about Finding Nemo for our episode 15. Uh, 15. We're going to go talk about our memories of this movie. And I have a lot of memories, but I'm going to let Brandon go first. All right. Um, Yeah, Finding Nemo, I actually have a lot of memories with. Um, It was one of the few cartoons that I remember liking past the point when I started watching like Sopranos and HBO and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, Cause like, you know, I started watching that stuff like 18 a stuff, like really young and like cartoons were cool, but like I never really like latched on. That's why I'm not much of a Disney fan really is. I just never really cared about cartoons so much, but finding Nemo for some reason, I remember really liking as a kid. Um, I was really stoked when we got, like the dvd of it and i watched it a lot on dvd i remember um Mm -hmm. so i don't think i have any like finding nemo related stories but i would say it's one of the few like in it's up there with like toy story and stuff in how much i know about it like it was one of the like i was thinking like this is a movie that i don't think i'd actually need to watch but then i of course you need to watch it but like it was something I was like I actually remember this movie very well, mm. so mm-hmm. I've got a, I've got a good history with Finding Nemo. Nice. All right, on to Saro. I have. What are your memories? I have a memory. Hooray! <laughs> Legitimately, um, I was ten years old when this movie came out, so I would hope I'm starting to get some memories at this point. Yeah, yeah. That's um, where I was at. We saw it in the theater in Winnipeg with my cousin Eleanor. She took us to see it. Me and my brother, for sure. I don't remember if my sister came or not. She might have not wanted to. She loves Disney, though, so very good chance she was there. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, Eleanor took us to see it, and I specifically remember during the scene with the seagulls that a little boy was running up and down the aisles with a finger gun, shooting them and telling the birds to die because they were trying to eat the fish. (laughs) Really made for a great experience. That's I remember I remember those damn seagulls becoming like super popular mm-hmm. and like playground in your classroom like 30 kids were like mine mine yeah. mine mine it was it's, so annoying it's one of those things i kind of wish i could still pull off like like with a group of people just doing the the annoying mine 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 just cuz I, I find it hilarious still <laughs> i guess one way to get kicked out of an applebees <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i remember yeah i remember those seagulls being so under- or the crabs kids really liked the crabs in my class so a lot of people were like doing the crab little like uh, hey or whatever i don't remember what they do now i just watched it i just watched it today um but like i remember kids liking the crabs 
which is actually a very small part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it literally is like five seconds. I know. I thought they were so much bigger based on like how I remember the class, like my class liking it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, my memories. I'm pretty sure this is the first time I went to see a movie in the theater more than once. Nice. I'm pretty sure I saw it either three or four times in theaters. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I was, like, 13 at the time, so I was actually, like, using, like, my money to go do this. And I have a specific memory about this because I think the third time my bike got stolen when I was in the movie. (laughs) Well, it was my own own fault Mm. because... Idiot me forgot to actually bring the the darn chain, so I like just had the lock in my pocket, and oh, I'm gonna lock the spoke to the thing or something like that. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, and so that was a fun walk home afterwards. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah, that's why it's a memory. I guess it's in there because it was. Not a very good experience for a thirteen-year-old me having to explain to my dad uh, why <laughs> I got why I did that yeah. for the watching Finding Nemo for the third time. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a especially when you just say that for watching Finding Nemo for the third time. You lost your bike because you wanted to watch Finding Nemo three times. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's funny. That. That is my very specific mem- memory about Finding and, Nemo. And the best part about that is, too, that's three out of, like, possibly four. So you also are open to the idea of, like, you may have went another time after that, actually. Like, that wasn't even enough to stop you from going. I know. <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> well, that, Yeah. It is a very good movie. Uh, but, yeah, then, yeah, I never really stopped watching Finding Nemo. It's been in there forever. Fair. The seagulls come up from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> That's just random pop culture reference. Yeah. Also, you know, the other quotes of, you know, just keep swimming and just <laughs> Dory in, gen- in general. Yeah. All right. So, uh, oh, and Sarah, does uh, does Daisy like this one? Yeah, she likes it. She doesn't. It's not one that she's watched over and over and over again, but she did enjoy it the first time she watched it. All right. Cool. That's good. My kids like finding Dory a little bit more. Yeah, I think Daisy does too. Mm-hmm. I think there's just like more action to finding Dory. Like Marlon and Nemo, or Marlon and Dory are searching for Nemo and finding Nemo, but I think there's a lot more moments where they're just chilling in the ocean. But in Finding Dory, they're, like, mm-hmm. out of the water a lot and, like, doing all this other stuff, so. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure we will discuss Finding Dory when that movie eventually comes onto our radar. Yeah, that's, like. Three, three years' time. Yeah. Three year, probably more than three years. It's like, what, 10, thir- 13 years later or something? Well, I guess when you think about it, there's barely any Pixar movie. Like, there's not that many Pixar movies. True. So that list is going to run out before the other two. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well. Technically, the classics will run out first, as I've timed it out. Oh. Well, there's a lot of sense. gaps in there. There you go, Brandon. That's, That's a nice gift for you. That's, that is good, yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy to hear well, that. Brandon will have some fun with the, with 
the dark ages of Disney, I'm sure. Probably. There's probably some classics that I... There's got to be. There's got to be. I mean, I liked Alice in Wonderland as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't remember much about it anymore, but, like, I liked it. It was my favorite when I was younger. Mm-hmm. That's a classic, right? Yes. That one's yeah, okay. the one... That, that one's coming up fairly soon. That one's in the 50s. So Okay, good. yeah. So there's probably at least one classic I, I like. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's hoping. All right, so we're going to move over to Brandon for a newbie recap on Finding Nemo. All right, guys, what's up? It's your boy here talking about Finding Nemo. Uh, so I guess story recap really quick. Uh, clownfish, all the babies get eaten. And there's like Nemo, who has a bad fin because of the eating accident. Um, and then... He's going to school, but then decides to get mad at his dad, so he touches a boat and then gets captured by some divers, and they take him to Sydney, where the dad, like, chases the boat but can't, and then he finds Dory, who can't remember anything, really. Um, And then they keep searching. They get the uh, P. Sherman 42 Wallaby Way Sydney address, and they go to Sydney, and they get Nemo back through a lot of, like, different story points. But, I mean, that's... That's Finding Nemo, really. Yeah. Um, there's sharks and stuff. It's honestly, it's probably one of the better Pixar films. I think I'm guessing. Um, I I really liked it to like a degree. Like it was funny. It was good. It had a like a much darker intro than I remembered. Like I mm-hmm. knew it started. I knew it started off with like the murder of all the kids and the mom and stuff like that. But like. Until I actually watched it, I was like, wow, this is, like, dark as for a kid's movie. Like, it's yeah. like it's not nice for a kid's movie. Yeah. It's scary. There's nothing comedic about that barracuda, I'll tell you. No. No, no. Like, it's a, it's a rough moment for, like, the intro to a kid's movie. So, I, like, yeah. I wrote that as, like, a commendation. I'm like, That's a really dark intro for, like, a children's movie. I, I dug it. Mm-hmm. It was good. Um, I, I enjoyed like throughout the whole movie how Nemo feels like an authentic child <laughs> like just the way he talks the way he like does things says things like he just feels like an actual kid like he just feels like a really fleshed out character and not just like a fish character yeah yeah um, like I uh, think that like like similar to how uh, how Boo was in in Monsters Inc yeah like, like you yeah. actually believe that this is a kid as opposed yeah. to like her being a toddler yeah, like, just very good. And, like, that leads into, like, the relationship with him and Marlon. Like, I think that's a really great father-son dynamic, mm-hmm. even though it's, like, neurotic Marlon. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's just fun. It's Albert Brooks. He's has a great voice. They, they, have, they have, like, really good chemistry as father and son, which I think is good, but, like, they spend the whole movie apart. So it's also, like, mm-hmm. they don't really have that together. Um, one of my early questions is how does the school bus work? Like it's a manta ray, right? So like the manta ray comes in, he lands, all the kids get on the manta ray. Do they all have to swim with him in unison? Or is there some sort of like seatbelt system that they can swim on the back of this manta ray? I cannot I mean, answer this question. Yeah. Just food for th- just food for thought, yeah. I guess. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that you definitely think about, especially with how how elegant they seem to be going all together. Yeah. Like, are they all swimming together like in unison? Cause they all swim and none of them are actually touching the manta ray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or are they just like legitimately on like a school bus manta ray? 
I don't I don't know how that works. <laughs> um, but this is around where I noted in my head that this is like really great animation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I forgot what our last Pixar film was. Monsters Inc. Monster. Oh, last it was Monsters Inc. Last time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I just then I do like I do feel like it's like a step up in animation again. Like I think mm-hmm. like the underwater scenery, like everything they oh, do, yeah. is is really great. Yeah. Um. And this is early I really 2000s like, still. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. 2004, which is which is crazy when you think about it. I like how they kind of like subverted the villain for the sharks. <laughs> like I like how they're not <laughs> like your typical sharks, which we all expect them to be. Which is, and we do get like a really cool shark scene with like the torpedoes and, and like Bruce and you chasing them. But do you love that they called it Bruce? Yes, because that's awesome. Nice Jaws reference. I actually mm-hmm. picked up a uh, a sweater when I was in L.A. at the Academy Museum. A sweater is the blueprints for Bruce the Shark from Jaws. Nice. <laughs> like, that's was pretty cool. I really like that sweater. But, yeah, so I, I really liked I really liked the sharks. I think they're really funny. Um, mm-hmm. What else do we have? There is, there is one thing, like, they have a good relationship, but Marlon is kind of a bad dad. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. know how to... Yeah be good because he's like so no. so worried about anything scared happening of everything which is mm-hmm. yeah fair it like, but also yeah like you'd think it like it bothered me at points yeah you would think after like nemo's not a baby so he's been a father for a no. few years now like you'd think he'd eventually relax a little Figure bit like out. i could understand anxiety but like daisy when she was one had a seizure so i was a little bit like helicopter parentish for a while but i eventually yeah. relaxed mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that was yeah. gonna be yeah one of my deep dives on this is this the parenting of this story yeah yeah like he's just like he's you can call him a good dad because obviously he crosses the ocean to like save his son and everything mm-hmm. also my whole like let's talk about that let's let's talk about that in and of itself marlin crossing the ocean to save nemo right let's take out every single thing that happens in the middle and just get to the beginning and the end point so he decides he leaves and then he gets to sydney Um, what is his plan find the boat and and what that's the good question (laughs) like what is Without without Gil and the people and like the other fish in the aquarium in that side story that gets Nemo like down into the ocean and everything, but like without any of that, like Nemo gets taken, put it into a different fish tank where he's the only fish. What is what is Marlin's plan I, this entire movie? Like, yeah. what does he think is gonna happen? I don't think he thinks about that. All he can think about is getting to where his son is. Because he's just like, yes. I'm his dad, I have to protect him. I have to find him. I think if, like you said, Nemo had ended up in another situation or whatever, and so a bird hadn't known who Nemo was, then he would have got there and then be like, yeah. oh, what do I do? How do I find him? Mm-hmm. He probably just would have yeah. gone from like fish to fish in the ocean to be like, hey, can you help me? Like, Do you know where this would have been? Do you know this boat? And then, yeah, honestly, honestly, like if with that regards, Brandon, um, put it in in a real world context of a hopeless situation of like a abducted child, how a mother can 
still try to hold out some form of hope and try to do whatever is within her power for years and years and years to come, even when even the police have given up and stuff like that, trying to find him. Yeah. And yeah, that's the the context that I would put in that situation. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's totally fair. Like, I guess that's, yeah, that's totally a thing. It just like, it was very striking to me. The whole movie is mm-hmm. like, you're going to get there and what? Like without mm-hmm. all of the crap that happens in the dentist's office, like, n- like nothing would happen. Like he would get to Sydney and there'd be no end to the movie because Nemo gets killed by Darla in the end. Yeah. And there's another uh, movie reference for you with Darla. Which one? The score that accompanies her. It's psycho. I don't even she, think I pay attention. When she enters in and they do the psycho theme. The re- oh, re- yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's funny. For um, a, a, an 11 year old girl. <laughs> well, or whatever. Yeah. It's fitting. <laughs> I don't understand what Marlon's plan was. I like guess that's mm-hmm. a big thing for me. Um, there is a point. Like, he's chasing the boat. He pops out of the ocean and definitely takes deep breaths out of the ocean. <laughs> it's like, how? How is this even possible? No, he takes a deep breath when he he's up and up top, and then he goes down and he takes a there deep breath. There are definitely moments where he splashes out and breathes. Like, I'm 100% on this. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It was just It's a nitpicky thing. But um, there's another, like... The other big thing I want to talk about, which is like, it feels stupid to want to point out because of what it is, but it's an actual issue. And that's just that Dory's memory is unreliable. <laughs> like, it sounds stupid to be like, oh, yeah, Dory's memory is unreliable. The whole deal is that her memory is unreliable. But I mean, like, when she first meets Marlin, her memory loop is like 10 seconds. Yeah. And then, like, conveniently throughout the movie, she can either remember or forget whenever the story needs her to. But otherwise, mm-hmm. she just stays in a state of, like, remembering with Marlin. And, like, it's just, like, very... I like Disney likes convenience, mm-hmm. I guess, is a big thing mm-hmm. I've been learning throughout this podcast. Well, she but also... It's just, like... She does kind of explain it in the end. She says, like, when I'm with you, I can remember. Like, yeah, it's like but she has it's that just anchor like, to help her. It's just always, yeah. like, conveniently timed. Like, it always, like, it's just, uh, I, understand. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I understand, like, the convenience and stuff, but, I mean, if she was, like, untethered for so long, and then, like, at the very beginning, what, after she's been untethered for so long, that it's, that her memory would be that bad because she hasn't had any form of connection. Mm-hmm fair for yeah for very extended periods of time so then if there is something that is within her purview for an extended period of time that is constantly in her purview mm-hmm. then that can be like a, a memory link yeah but yeah. she still has memory problems but she has something that is within her usually within her sight line that could still kind of yeah associate it yeah. with that kind yeah of it just it things. just feels like it just feels like she conveniently forgets at times they need her to forget. Yeah. Like everything's definitely... going totally fine. There's oh, yeah. no issues. And then like, they hit the trench and they're like, don't forget this. And then of course 
she forgets it. And it's yeah. like, well, that's like really convenient because she hasn't been forgetting anything lately. And yeah. all of a sudden we need her to forget something and she does. Yeah, there's definitely like, a, it, a plot device is still a plot device. But it's... Yeah, it's, it's definitely a plot device. It was kind of like it was annoying for me kind of in like the same mm-hmm. way as like what was Marlon's plan. It was just like it's just weird yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, to put it in in context, you did preface, preface this whole thing with. I know this is nitpicky. <laughs> True, it is. Like, it is yeah. very nitpicky because I do actually like the movie. Like, that's, <laughs> like, I'm finding things to, like, not, like, finding things, but just, like, pointing stuff out, I guess. But, like, my last thing, like, on the note of Dory, is I honestly do not feel that Finding Dory was the sequel we deserved. <laughs> like, kind of in I'm, the same way with, with like... Kind of in the same way as, like, Monsters, Inc. with Monsters University and stuff. Like, it's great, but I don't think it's the sequel we deserved. Is I think they Mm -hmm. really, like, there was a chance to follow up Finding Nemo, and they gave us a prequel with Dory. Fine. Like, Dory was a great character, and it made a ton of money. I just, I don't think that was, like, leaving Finding Nemo, that wasn't the sequel I wanted. Like, I wanted a continuation of everybody. Finding Dory is a prequel and a sequel, though. It's not just a prequel. Like, is it? I yeah. don't actually remember. We get her backstory, but the concept of the yeah, movie you get ba- is you get baby. Yeah, the concept of the movie is that she is going to find her parents, and they go with her. But then she, they get separated, so they're trying to find her. But the finding so Dory Marlin is her and Nemo finding are herself. With, with Dory. Oh yeah, I barely, I barely remember that. Yeah. To be yeah. completely honest, I'm not gonna lie. I have a lot of problems with Finding Dory. I love it. Like I think, like I, rem- <laughs> like, I remember, I like, remember Finding yeah, Dory. It's an being enjoyable good. film, but there's just you got to set your critics at the door with that one. Mm. Yeah, like mm. I remember it being like decent, but like I, I don't think it, I don't think it was the sequel we deserved coming out of Finding Nemo. Yeah. Um. But like that being said, like it's finding nemo it's about a fish dad who's looking for his fish son in like fish mm-hmm. australia and it's not bad mm-hmm. <laughs> i like it all right so on to me with deep dive disney so the first thing i want to talk about this film and we've already touched on it lightly is uh is the parenting methods that we see in this film it's like the definition of helicopter parenting mm-hmm. and it's understandable that Marlon does it this way because of the trauma that he has faced. Like, that's the whole thing. That's, like, the trauma that he experienced, and so we experience it with him. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, I, I learned a little bit ago that uh, the prologue to this movie uh, initially was going to be done later on as a flashback. Oh, yeah. So we were initially supposed to start with Marlin and Nemo, like in the anemone, and then just, but then we wouldn't know why he is like this. So a lot of people, like, and I've, in initial like understandings of the character and stuff, audiences or whatever, like like people that were deciding on that didn't like Marlin initially because mm. of because they didn't understand why he was like why he was behaving the way he was toward as a parent. But then if you make it a prologue instead of a flashback, you're immediately accompanying him like what he's what he's been through. Like he lost like you initially see what he was before 
he was yeah. extremely care carefree mm -hmm. like oh we're gonna be right here by the by the ocean and oh i'm so excited and gonna be like oh do all these things with all the kids nonstop, and i'm gonna have this wife with me and then all of a sudden it's all gone mm -hmm. in the blink of an eye and like yeah like that level of trauma is just like you said brandon this is a dark dark moment for it is a pretty start dark intro of, to start us off but it's just like it's so necessary mm -hmm. at the same time to to bring us to this understanding of of his parenting method and why he was doing it that way and the journey he goes on as well like you'd know that that he loves his son in that initial scene mm -hmm. yeah like you it's perfect screen block screenwriting and and blocking of characters and stuff like that is just you you immediately understand he loves his son he loves yeah. him nonstop even though he is neurotic and helicoptering around and but it's not but he he's not being healthy <laughs> and I love the fact that they go with like the most carefree parent in the ocean to to teach him a lesson on parenting. Yeah. And like, yeah, you know, turtles are are great and I love it, but ha you know, 70% of your children die before they <laughs> before they they're like a year old. Yeah. Or something like that. Something even prob probably even higher. It's just like, yeah, you like a lot of kids die. Like baby turtles die before, and that's <laughs> there's a whole feeding frenzy accompanying it. <laughs> um, but I still like love the the moment. Um, like the very moment when uh, Squirt, the the baby turtle's name, uh, yeah, where he like gets flung out of the the current, and then he. Marlin's first reaction is like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. And then Crushes goes like, oh, whoa, whoa, dude, let's see what he does. Yeah. And then, like, Cr Crush is still watching him. Yeah. And loving him and making sure that he doesn't get hurt. But he's there, he's supportive of his kid, and celebrates all the accomplishments. And, oh, I so relate with Crush. Because that's definitely, like, what I like to do with my kids. Like, I'm definitely the parent at the playground now who's, like, backing off. And just my kids are climbing all over it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Evangeline recently learned how to climb on top of the swings. Like, so, on the metal? Yes. Oh, wow. So That's fun. Yeah, it is. It is. And I'm... Yeah, I'm loving it and stuff. It's just like, okay, you tell me if you don't feel safe. I trust you. I'm over here. And it's just like that. I love the that seeing that in a film as well. It's just like the, the two sides and then just like, but you still know that Crush loves him. Because mm -hmm. there's a difference between um, between being a helicopter parent and being over overdoing it and being a neglectful parent. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, just not caring and just like, oh, I'm just going to be on my phone on the bench and just not do anything. And yeah. you do what do what you feel like. 
yeah, it's just I love the parenting in this in this movie like that you see the different types and then you see the journey of the of the of Marlin and his and his parenting methods. Yeah. Um and that brings me to my uh, other main point of this movie is the screenplay for this movie is honestly near near perfection. Like mm-hmm. the dialogue the scene, the scene progressions, like the transitions between the scenes, like between um, Marlin's journey and Nemo's uh, captivity, like they flow so organically, and there's exposition and a lot of stuff done in a, such a very clean way that you believe that these are authentic interactions, but not strict exposition, like. Um, things that pay off later on like in moments in throughout the movie that pay off in the final scene is like oh just keep swimming just keep swimming and then and swim down in the in the aquarium it's just like these little things that are just done throughout and then they just pay off all at once because you get to see marlin's journey as he grows as, as a character and Dory's journey as she gains her her self-awareness and and then Nemo's journey as well as he be, gains his self-confidence as uh, he can do it himself with Gil's mentorship is just like okay you I believe you can do it you got yourself into this mess you can get yourself out mm-hmm. do it I'm watching you but you do it all these things just work so well together in this movie that there's very like it almost feels like there's nothing you could cut out and there's nothing you could add in hmm. in yeah. certain certain scenes and stuff yeah like it's and that's something that you don't find very often in movies yeah no. especially especially kids movies cuz usually there's like like for for example um uh ice age dodo dodo scene is just pure superfluous yeah or just like random musical number that's just in there, things like that. That's just me getting a bash in on Ice Age. <laughs> I thought you um, were also getting a bash in on. I haven't seen it still, but on Scuttle's song in Little Mermaid. <laughs> I actually really enjoyed okay. Scuttle's song. I hear mixed things. Like my sister really liked it, and then all my friends are like, "Why they do that? It's so stupid. It's just Lin Manuel Miranda. It doesn't fit." I'm like. But I still haven't gone to see it yet, so I don't know. I enjoyed it that that scene, but I knew what it was. I knew that Lin Manuel was writing a song, and it's just like, eh. And I like the delivery; it just kind of worked. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, the other batch was sort of on the on Ice Age Two. There was a musical moment that was just like, "What is? Why is this here?" I don't even remember that movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't really remember the Ice Age movies. That's fair. Um, one last thing I wanted to talk about with this movie. Um, watching it this time, I think this is the first time I've actually cried watching Finding Nemo. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Um, when uh, Dory's pleading with, uh, with Marlon not to go, and it's just like, when she's like, I don't want to forget, and then... 
like and she's like i'm when i'm with you i'm home and then and then the gut punch is just like when she said like i don't want to forget and he's just like but i do it's just like (laughs) yeah (sighs) yeah gut punch in the dad gut yeah right there definitely all right so i'm gonna move it on to sarah for trivia all right. There are a few things that we have already brought up, um, but I'm still going to just read through my list. So there might just be a couple things that we've already talked about. Um, so first point on here, Andrew Stanton. He directed, co-wrote, and got story by credits for this movie. Um, the idea for it came from, or it came together over the years, but it began with his childhood as a kid, his dentist had a fish tank, and he would imagine that the fish were from the ocean and wanted to go home. Mm. That's where it started. Um, and then he saw a photo of two clownfish peeking out from behind a sea anemone, and that was that. He wanted Nemo and Marlin to be clownfish, and when he first saw the photo, he thought they were very visually striking, but he didn't know what kind of fish they were. And then when he found out they were clownfish, he was even more excited and figured it was perfect. Uh, he started working on the screenplay for it during post-production on A Bug's Life and before production even began he had uh, for Finding Nemo he had finished the screenplay and this is apparently pretty rare for animated films which are often storyboarded to craft the story and don't tend to rely solely on a script but he wrote the whole thing cool yeah um So, like we talked about, Coral's death was originally going to be flashbacks throughout the movie. Um, And I agree that putting it at the beginning was the right choice because it, like, just keep getting that stab in the heart over and over throughout the movie. Too sad. Too dark. Get it all done at once. (laughs) That was much better. I think it works. Yeah. It was much better the way that it is. Um, Marlon originally was not Albert Brooks. They brought in another actor who actually recorded a lot of lines for him. Oh. The original actor, I there's no point in trying to make you guys guess because I think it would take a while, but it was William H. Macy. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when I That's think an William... That's interesting choice. Yeah, when I think William H. Macy, I just think of Frank in Shameless, which is a very <laughs> different kind of character. <laughs> um, I always think of the shoveler in Mystery Men. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, not from Fargo. Oh, yeah, he's in Fargo. Yeah. I don't know why Mystery Men is kind of, like, iconic in my brain. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know why. Hey, I'm just glad it has some, you know, home somewhere in somebody's brain. Yeah, it's just, it's <laughs> interesting. It's just such a good random movie. It's interesting how it. everyone's brains will latch onto different things. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he had recorded a bunch of dialogue for it, but... Stanton didn't like that. It just didn't feel right. So then he decided to recast. Mm-hmm. Um, and he feels like Albert Brooks saved the movie. Uh, oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And from this article that I was reading, it said, Brooks is a fan of improvising, as any Simpsons fan can tell you. And there are a lot of outtakes of him <laughs> riffing and telling purposefully bad jokes, as he liked the idea of Marlon being a clownfish who wasn't funny. So. Yeah. Uh, as I've been watching more and more of The Simpsons, just the random moments, the, the random characters that Albert Brooks has played, they're always so ridiculously hilarious. And just, yeah. like, how fast li- his lines are. is like, he played 
a Bondian supervillain in one episode, oh, and nice. it's just so good. Hank awesome. Scorpio. Yeah. It was just it was just a one episode thing. It was just but he's so memorable in that one performance. Yeah, that's good. I still have never yeah. watched The Simpsons other than the one episode. <laughs> um, Dory was originally written as a male fish, and then hmm. uh, Stanton saw Ellen's sitcom, and he thought based on that performance that she would be perfect for the character. Um, and there were people that were worried that she wouldn't be able to do it, that her acting wasn't good enough. I'd say she pulled it off pretty well. <laughs> I think she was perfect. I agree. She did all right. Um, there may, people may have some problems with Ellen. There may be some issues, but she's good at playing yeah. a fish with memory loss. <laughs> mm-hmm. that, is, that is true. Um, so then they were on a journey to find someone to voice Crush. So while they were trying to figure it out, Stanton himself did a recording for test reels, but everybody loved it, so they decided to just keep him. Um, but because he was just doing test reels, he wasn't putting a lot of effort into it, so he recorded all of his dialogue laying on a couch. <laughs> so maybe that's why Crush is so chill. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah, and then Brad Bird, for some reason, was playing tape recordings of his son Nicholas at Pixar one day, and Stanton loved his voice, so he got the role of Squirt. So that's Brad oh, Bird's that's son. cool. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. they also wanted to cast Megan Mullally for someone. They didn't have a role <laughs> in mind. So, like, whoever she was going to voice might not have even been in the movie. Um, but they really yeah. wanted her, and then they realized when they brought her in that the voice she does in Will and Grace is a voice. It's not her voice. But that was the voice they wanted, so they asked her to do it, and she said no, so she got fired. Uh, oh, well. Oh, that's harsh. Yeah. Uh, so the crew working on the movie wanted to make sure they tackled ocean life accurately, so they took visits to aquariums, lectures from marine biologists and fish experts, they scuba dived, they visited coral reefs, like they did a lot of intense research to make sure it would look great. Hmm. <coughs> um, we talked about this. Um, Bruce is named for the the animatronic shark from Jaws, and that Bruce from Jaws was named after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. Which is (laughs) funny. (laughs) I guess he's a shark. Yeah. And there is one more movie reference we didn't talk about. Uh, We talked about Psycho, with the music played for Darla. There's one more, because Bruce goes, here's Brucey! Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's The Shining. Uh, yep. Yeah. Escape. And then Randy Newman, he provided the score for the first four Pixar movies. He didn't do this one, but his cousin did, Thomas Newman. So kept it in the family. Yeah, yeah this one yeah. was very much not not Randy Newman. This one was had a more. I. It's funny. I want to say airy feel to it. Yeah. But it's underwater, so it's not air. But it's like. <laughs> yeah. Like it feels like chill a, and like flowy. A, yeah, like a lull in the ocean. It's not like cartoony and like bop, mm-hmm. boppy. Yeah, I don't know what mm-hmm. this yeah. action I'm doing with it, my it, hands. It felt is, but... it felt like like wait like the 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 music in this one felt like waves. Yeah, yeah, almost definitely. Uh, there was an author yeah. named Frank Lecalvez. I don't know if that's how you say it. 
Uh, he tried to sue Disney because of Finding Nemo because he thought that they were infringing on the copyright of his French children's book, Perrault the Clownfish. The book came out in 2002, before the movie, but the production had started on Finding Nemo a long time before that. Uh, and he said that he had been working on the book since 1995, but, like, they hadn't heard of him. They didn't know about his book. Mm, yes, Disney is watching you. Yeah, so the judge yeah. dismissed that lawsuit. Uh, Pixar got a new level of success prior... Or they had established a level of success prior to Finding Nemo, but this took things to a whole new level. Um, in the original run, the movie made $339.7 million domestically and $871 million worldwide. At the time, it was the highest grossing animated movie and the highest grossing G-rated movie, and it finished second overall in the 2003 box office. In 2012, a 3D conversion re-release yielded another $69.3 million worldwide. So it made a lot of money. What did it lose out to? What do you mean? What, what? I'm just, what, it got second, like, second highest grossing in... Second overall in, in the 2003 box office. Uh, yeah, I don't know, so I didn't look into that. Curious. What else came out in 2003? Lord of the Rings. That would do yeah. it. That yeah, sense. that was Return of the King. Yeah, that would do it. Uh, and then they also made a lot of money on their DVD sales. The very first day DVDs were available, they sold 8 million copies, and it was a new single-day record. And within two weeks, it was the highest-selling DVD ever. Mm. I believe it. Yeah, to this day... I had it. You had it. I have it still. Uh, to this day, they have sold upwards of 40 million copies, which remains the record. And it probably oh, will never yeah. be broken, because you don't really sell DVDs so much anymore. That's no, no. true, yeah. You don't. Like, there, there's very little space for DVDs now on in retail markets. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So it probably will hold its record forever. Uh, the film was nominated for four Oscars, including for Best Original Screenplay. In the end, it won one Oscar for Best Animated Feature, and this was notable because it was the first of many Pixar movies to win that award. It was the very first one. Right. Because Monsters, Monsters, Inc. lost out to Shrek, I believe it was. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Shrek, Shrek is really first. good. Uh, part of what you can see uh, watching Finding Nemo is that some fish don't make good pets, and saltwater aquariums are difficult to maintain. And yet, after this movie, demand for clownfish as pets went way up. Uh, this caused environmental issues and reef decimation around Vanuatu, and other people started releasing their pet into the pet fish into the wild because of it. They were flushing them down the toilet. They were letting them go. Um, so a lot of fish died, and a lot of uh, ecosystems were really wrecked because if you take a goldfish and you let it go into the wild, it's going to get massive and eat all the other fish. So, yeah. not the best. Uh, other interesting <laughs> fact is uh, the species for dory uh, cannot be bred in captivity. Uh, th that's something I learned at one point. Is like So any pets oh, of that cool. species are taken from the ocean. Blue tang. Oh man, the uh, aquarium of the Pacific in Los Angeles had a boatload of dories, hmm. 
I yeah. mean, they had a lot of clownfish as well, but they had a lot of dories. Interesting. Yeah, but that that's my understanding at least. Yeah. Um, maybe mm-hmm. the internet lied to me. Who knows? I mean, all of the stuff I have is from the internet too, so I could be lying to you guys yeah. all the time. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Every list said all the same stuff, so I'm assuming it's true. Uh, it took only one word for them to get the green light for Finding Nemo. Uh, Stanton did a whole big pitch for his project, and the C. CEO, the chief creative officer of Pixar, said, you had me at fish. He was good. <laughs> he was good with well, a fish yeah. movie. I mean, after what Little Mermaid did for them. Well, Little Mermaid didn't do anything for Pixar. Well, yeah, but for, for Disney. Disney cause, yeah. But, yeah, yeah it's just throwing that uh, technical aspect of, of watching. When did Disney buy Pixar. It wasn't until much later, but they were still uh, strong partners in uh, with. Uh, well, yeah, I, I know they were like big partners and everything. I it was wasn't until about they... two thousand. I want to say two thousand nine. It was after. Oh. Um. Actually, at, no, two thousand at earliest two thousand seven. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh. So. They did, like we, I mentioned, a lot of extensive research on fish and things in the ocean, but they realized that fish have very boring eyes, so having an expressive <laughs> character in a fish was really challenging, uh, so they based the eyes of the fish on a different kind of animal, dogs. <laughs> That's neat. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> kind of creepy, but I mean that that also goes back to like like the Bambi episode is just like bringing out expression, but not being realism, yeah. like not having the realism. Yeah, is just mm. like because realism is boring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, in the early days of this movie, the combination of a poorly cast Marlin, an unsympathetic Gil, because he was originally going to be a villain, uh, the running and the running flashbacks. It made the early versions of the movie feel very dismal because William H. Macy wasn't the right part. Gil is a villain. He was going to be a character that he's just using the other fish to get back in the ocean like he is, but his backstory is one that he stole from a book that's in the the waiting room of the dentist's office, and he's actually just a mm. bad guy, and he's just going to use them any way he can. Like, this version of Gil probably wouldn't care if Nemo died in the filter as long as he gets back to the ocean, but... They obviously... Okay, so it's a lot like the prospector. Yeah, they obviously made him not a villain. A good um, guy, yeah. But with all of that, Michael Eisner, the CEO of Disney, was like, I don't know, I don't think this is going to work. Uh, his only positive spin was that a commercial struggle would be helpful during contract renegotiations with Disney. But his judgment and his aspirations to cut funds came up short when this became Pixar's highest grossing film. So he was wrong, obviously. I mean, they made some changes to make it better, um, but he yeah. was completely wrong. And the only... Um, it would maintain its title of highest grossing Pixar film until Toy Story 3. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. And then it has since been surpassed twice more with Inside Out and then Finding Dory, which maintains the top position. Oh. As of the making of this list, anyways. Um, so Gil proclaims that all drains lead to the ocean. And like I mentioned, a lot of kids started flushing their fish down the toilet. Um, but a water treatment company 
uh, called JWC Environmental and Australia's Marine Aquarium Council offered public warnings that flushing would prove fatal to any fish and that a movie that realistically portrayed what it would be like for a fish to go down the toilet should actually be called Grinding Nemo. Oof. So don't flush your live fish down the toilet. Just the dead ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we know, Pixar likes loading up its films with hidden Easter eggs. And of course yeah, there are so some you're going in here. To going to the office. What? So you're going to the dentist office. Yep. So what were they, Zach? Uh, there's a Mr. Incredible comic. Mm-hmm. Was there a Buzz Lightyear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a toy. And was there a, a Luxo Jr. Ball? Oh, I'm sure. That's not on this list, but I'm sure there was. Okay. Um, that's all I can think of. Boo is in a hanging, like, mobile thing. And then if okay. you look <laughs> out the window at one point, you can see the Pizza Planet truck outside. Uh, uh, of course. You actually see it when they're doing, like, when, when Gil is uh, talking about their escape plan. Uh, and you see the, the truck drive by as when they're looking through the, um, the plastic bag. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> um, just, just, oh, there's one more, too. Uh, the, because they, like, overlap when they're making movies, you can also see Luigi from Cars driving outside at one point. Oh, that's cool. When they're, oh, wow. when they're executing their escape plan. And Cars came out after. That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, I already said that's the best-selling DVD of all time. Uh, first Pixar film to show blood on screen. When... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. very... Yeah, when Dory bleeds. needed. Yeah. Yeah. They actually invented a new animation technique to do the jellyfish. Because they wanted it to be blurry but transparent. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job. Yeah, they they had to like make up a whole new software just for that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, they talked to the Lion King at the box office, and the Lion King director called the Finding Nemo director and said, "It's about time." <laughs> <laughs> he was a good sport about it. Only, only took like well, it was less than a decade. So yeah, that's still a flipping long time. Yeah, and then all the boats in the harbor have Pixar-related names. They are Sea Monkey, Major Plot Point, Bow Movement, I Boat, for Steve Jobs, uh, Naughty Boy, but boy spelled B-U-O-Y, and Naughty is spelled (laughs) K-N-O-T-T-I-E. For the Birds, (laughs) Peer Pressure, P-I-E-R, Peer, Skiffity Doodah, and the Surly Mermaid. (laughs) Yeah, I like Skiffity Doodah. (laughs) Oh. Man, that would be an awesome boat name is the Surly Mermaid. Yeah. I don't know. I like Skiffity Doodah. And then uh, Darla. She's very unpleasant. They actually named her after a Pixar producer named Darla K. Anderson. And they did that because she had played a prank on Stanton. So his revenge was to name this awful character after him. After her. <laughs> Ouch. Pretty good revenge, yeah. honestly. I like yeah. it. Yeah, that that is very good, good playful revenge. Yes. Darla! Yeah. <laughs> All right, and finally, let's get into the cast. Um, I didn't break down the entire cast. There's a lot of people in this movie. Um, I mainly just yeah, a bit. focused on, like, 
some key characters, but also people who had other Disney credits. Um, and by the time I was getting to the end of the list of the cast, I was a little bit more ruthless about who I didn't mention because I was getting really tired of scrolling through hundreds of <laughs> credits. Because all of these people have so many credits on their name. So uh, mm-hmm. we've already talked about Albert Brooks played Marlin. His only other Disney credit, at least that I saw, was Finding Dory. Same with Ellen DeGeneres for Dory, Finding Dory. Other like Finding Nemo things like shorts and whatever uh alexander gould played nemo he's also in bambi 2 he plays bambi and uh, even... brandon you'll know him in weeds i never watched weeds you never watched weeds ah. never watched weeds all right fine <laughs> uh he's also in an episode of even stevens classic i did watch even stevens yeah. <laughs> willem dafoe as gil finding dory this is other credit Brad Garrett as Bloat. I'm certain we've talked about Brad Garrett before because we've uh, talked about other... Yeah, he was in Bug's Life. Yeah, but I'm still going to yeah. list this anyways. He's in... I didn't finish reading through all his credits because he's in so much. But he's in The Tangled TV Show, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Christopher Robin, Finding Dory, Planes and Planes Fire and Rescue, Tangled, Ratatouille, Tarzan 2, Mickey's Around the World in 80 Days, The Pacifier, House of Mouse, Country Bears, Kim Possible... Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, Teacher's Pet, Recess, an extremely goofy movie, Hercules Zero to Hero, Mickey Mouse Works, Hercules, A Bug's Life, Pocahontas 2, and maybe others. It's just what happens when you have, like, the deep, like, <laughs> His voice deep is voice great. actors. Yeah. Are just, yeah. It's awesome. It's like him and Michael Clark Duncan. I just love it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Allison Janney is the voice of Peach. She's also been in DuckTales, mm. Finding Dory, and Phineas and Ferb. Stephen Root is yeah. I, I didn't know she was in it until I looked it up to like today. Yeah, <laughs> Stephen Root is Bubbles, and he has two hundred and seventy six acting credits. He is a voice actor. I did not search through for all the Disney ones. I gave up really fast. Uh, <laughs> if you want to know him, Brandon, he plays Charles's dad on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, yeah, nice. I know who he is. That's awesome. I yeah, I didn't get that far. I stopped scrolling really quick when I saw the number two seventy six. I was like, nope, not listing at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Joe Ramft is Jacques. We've talked about Joe Ramft before. He's in other Pixar movies. He's an executive as well and like writer, like all that kind of stuff. But we talked about him also because he died very tragically in a car accident. Um, mm. Yeah. So there's some movies dedicated to him including i don't remember if we talked about this last time but the corpse bride is dedicated to him because he was a producer on that one not disney cross yeah that's that's rare for somebody to get credited from a different studio even yeah so i thought that was interesting uh jeffrey rush is nigel he's in the pirates movies bob peterson is mr ray all the pixar things he's a pixar writer he wrote on this movie uh, I love Mr. Ray so much. <laughs> Such a good teacher. Yeah. This one surprised me. I had no idea who the voice of Anchor was. It's Eric Bana. What? Who, who's Anchor? He's one of the sharks. That's the, the, the shark, the hammerhead shark. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Eric is, Bana. Yeah, he I'm has... Sorry about... He, he has one other Disney credit. He was in the most recent Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Yeah, he had a very big role in the. Uh, yeah, he had a de- decent sized role in that one. Is, but is he a villain? He got to be Australian. 
No, he plays Monterey Jack, so he's playing really, like, Australian. Okay. I saw the name, but I, it sounded like it could be a villain, but... Hmm. Um, then Bruce Spence is Chum. He's also in the Pirates movies, and he's in a very awesome live-action Disney classic, Aquamarine. Never heard of it. Yeah, you wouldn't have it. It's not actually a classic. Did you say it's not Disney? I don't think it's Disney. I watched it on the Disney Channel. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure I watched it on on Family Channel. Aquamarine. If I'm wrong, that's fine. But I was pretty certain I saw it on there. Maybe I w- it is on Disney Plus, but it's a 20th Century Studios film. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I must have watched it on YTV, maybe then. Still, it was, uh... a classic. I might not know the live actions too well, but I know what is a live action. Yeah. Uh, it is starring Sarah Paxton, who is in Darcy's Wildlife, and that's Disney. So maybe that's yeah, where I've I got I've never heard stuff. of that. But anyways. Uh, Erica Beck played Pearl. She's also in Lilo and Stitch. And then School of Fish played by John Ratzenberger. We don't need to list what he's been in. We all know. Nope. nope. And that's, We started that at the beginning. Yeah, that's it. That's what yeah. I got. <laughs> all right. Um, I think the only thing I have, like, uh, other little fun tidbit I have yet to add is um, why sea turtles are sometimes are, are portrayed as, as getting high in this one is because they kind of do because they eat um, they eat jellyfish and that gives them like the dazed uh, feeling hmm. so what uh, tur- yeah so turtles actually do eat jellyfish and because of how jellyfish are it actually like makes them kind of zoned out hmm. interesting it also makes turtles susceptible to pollution because Jellyfish and plastic bags are very similar. Right. Oof. Yeah. No wonder people on that lovely note say save the turtles when they say not to use plastic. Yeah. I get it. I thought it was for the straws that like go in their nose. Well, that too, but poor turtles. Yeah, poor turtles. I like turtles. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I, like I did not mean to reference that, but there you go. <laughs> that was one of my favorite things back in the day. I remember one time I got bored and I went back and commented I like turtles on everything my sister posted on Facebook for like <laughs> ten years. Nice. Uh, every yeah. every single thing I just commented I like turtles on. That must have pissed her right <laughs> off. Oh, she was not happy with me, but like, yeah, I went back like ten straight years. That sounds. It took me hours. That sounds like something both of my siblings would do to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, good times. All right, so we're gonna conclude this episode uh, and talk about our favorites and least favorite stuff. So, uh, favorite musical moment, Sarah. Do you have a favorite musical moment in this movie? Yes. Um, I like it when they play Beyond the Sea, because I really like Bobby Darren. Um, Mm -hmm. But then also, I really like Mr. Ray. Just anything that he does. Yeah, with his educational lyrics. Yes. I think it's very fun. Yeah. 
I definitely had a lot more appreciation for Mr. Ray in, on, upon this viewing. Yeah. Hmm. Brandon, do you have a favorite musical moment for this movie? Honestly, like, I hardly remember there actually being any music in this movie. There I, I legitimately don't have a favorite musical moment. There, I can't. There is. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. That's. I mean, I guess. That and Mr. Ray. <laughs> or, otherwise, or, it's, like, mainly the score. Or the credit song, as as Sarah was saying, yeah. where it goes beyond beyond the sea. Oh, Yeah. I mean, I'll just, like, default and go to Mr. Ray. He had some educational raps mm-hmm. for us. Uh, I'm going to go with Beyond the Sea, the same as Sarah, just because that's such a great song, and it's so apt for this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just listen to Bobby Darren sing all the time. Mm-hmm. All right. Um... Least favorite moment. I'm going to send it over to Brandon for least favorite moment to kick us off. Um, least favorite moment. I think probably that short bit of time where they try to convince us that Marlin can kind of keep up with this boat. Hmm. Like the boat drives away. He swims and like he stays pretty close. And then the things come down. I'm like, yo, that clownfish can't swim that fast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's it is what it is. <laughs> All right, Sarah, what is your least favorite moment? Uh, I don't like when they're like near the end trying to swim down with the the fish. Just. Too much anxiety. And, like, now that I've seen the movie, I know what happens. Obviously, I know it ends well. But that kind of thing just stresses me out, so. Hmm. All right. Um, my least favorite moment, I think, is is um, the last interaction, like, that Marlon had with Nemo before he was taken. Hmm. You know, where he's, like, you just can't do, you can't do these things. You think you can, but you just can't, Nemo. Yeah. And I hate you. And just like, yeah, I don't want to be that dad. I want my kids <laughs> to hate me. Yeah, Daisy has started saying I don't like you to us when she's mad, so I'm getting into that mm-hmm. phase already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so, uh, favorite moment. Sarah? <sighs> favorite moment. Um, I like the end when they're just all happy and together and mm-hmm. Dory has become part of the family and Marlin is much less stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's a great moment. All right, Brandon, favorite moment? Uh, fish are friends, not food. <laughs> I like the shark sequence. It's so great. Like, it's just... How do you put yeah, like an AA meeting into <laughs> into a kids movie? Yeah. Yeah. Also like how that one dude brings that like small tiny fish with them and that fish like escapes, but at the end of the movie that tiny fish like eats that giant angler fish. <laughs> it's that tiny little thing. Yeah. Um yeah, I I think one of my favorite things is still just like the seagull sequence where they're like the chase the chase through the the boats and stuff and just 
I don't know, almost anything that involves the seagulls, I just find really hilarious. Just like, would you shut up? Maybe, with wings. <laughs> Maybe we were wrong and the character that Zach is is actually the seagulls. <laughs> seagulls, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I know it's, I, I know it's annoying. I know it's not all that smart, but you know what? I'll take the seagulls from Finding Nemo any day over minions. Like fair, like that kind of humor. Like I've only I've only seen the first two Despicable Me movies. Exactly, and I haven't seen any of the Minions or anything. And th- those ones, even th- those early ones, they don't hold up on multiple viewings. <laughs> and it's just the seagulls do. The seagulls are still hilarious with what they are because they're simple. It's just like yeah. if a seagull could talk, that's probably what he would say. It's like. Like, if a dog could talk, and, like, on uh, Over the Hedge, where it's just like, play, play, play. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very simple, but it's just uh, it's just perfect for the creature that they're trying to portray. Yeah. Yeah. Seagulls are annoying. <laughs> All right. So, we're going to move on to final thoughts and letter grade. Brandon, going to kick us off. All right. I, uh, you know, I thought it had a noticeably good increase in animation quality. I think the voice acting and stuff was like spot on. Storyline's pretty tight. Things good. I had some nitpicky things I could find, but like overall, it's a solid movie. Um, I'll give it an A minus. Woohoo. I'm happy with that score. All right. Sarah, final thoughts and a letter grade. Uh, I just love Finding Nemo, so I'm going to give it an A. Alright. And as I was talking about earlier with, like, my praise of this screenplay and, like, the parenting stuff in it, I might not have given this as high of a score as I would have upon this view, before this viewing, as I try to watch it as, you know, a, like, dedicated father and stuff and and looking at the screenplay as it is. I'm I'm gonna give this one a solid A plus, just because I really don't know what I could change about it. Fair. And it's just that good of a movie for me. Um, yeah, yeah. So that has been our episode. We are going to be going back to the classics for epi- for our next episode starting off what I consider the Silver Age, which is Cinderella. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Brandon's going to be so thrilled for that one. Cinderella's <laughs> not that bad as far as the classics go. There's a story, um, which is nice. That's yeah. good. And cute, funny animals. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. All right. So, Sarah... Where can our dedicated fans hear us and find us? You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts where they should leave us reviews or ratings or whatever they can do. And we are on Instagram at makingadisneyfan.pod. And please say things to us because we like to hear them. Um, I did (laughs) run into a fan of ours in the wild while I was in Toronto. (gasps) Shout out, Stefan. Oh, uh, he actually <laughs> had it open on his oh, phone Hawkeye. and said, hey, 
I'm listening to Pocahontas. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm listening. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a stellar episode. <laughs> it was a heated episode. <laughs> Not heated. We weren't fighting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. No, we weren't. It was just heavy, a lot more discussion. Heavy topics. Than, yeah, heavy topics. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of, a lot of good discussions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more, a lot more than this one. This one, we're all pretty like on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come pretty on, much, we averaged, we averaged an A score on this one. We're pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad at all. So this has been our episode of Finding Nemo. We have been Zachary, Brandon, and Sarah. Just keep swimming. All of our artwork is created by Becca Riley. You can go find her on Instagram at Becca Riley Art, spelled B-E-C-C-A-R-E-I-L-L-Y Art. Our theme song was written and performed by Marcus Beveridge. You can listen to more of his music on Instagram at Marcus.and.Sarah.Music, performing alongside me, your favorite Making a Disney fan lady. We hope you'll come back for our next episode soon. Aww. Thank you for listening to Making a Disney Fan. We hope to see you next time. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.